0: Hello everybody, this is Shane Douglas Keen and I'm here tonight with Rich Duncan and Laurel Hightower Uh, We are Ink Heist, thank you for listening and we're here with author Tim Meyer, who is the author of The Switch House Uh, Give me the name, Tim Carnage Uh,
1: Carnage. Yes,
0: got it (laughs) And then the, the new one from Poltergeist Press, uh dead daughters which we're going to talk about quite a bit um and a lot of other stuff too much to name how are you doing tim
1: i am doing fantastic how are you guys
0: doing good Good. pretty good So uh, yeah, Tim, um,
2: we usually kick things off by asking our guests to just kind of give like a new kid at school speech, kind of a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, the books you've written. So like maybe kind of how you got started.
1: Sure. Uh, so my name is Tim. Uh, I grew up in Toms River, New Jersey, which is right on the Jersey Shore. Um, I've been writing since... Pretty much forever. Uh, In high school, I was big into writing screenplays and comic book scripts. And then later on, I kind of got more into horror fiction. So I started writing prose and I published my first book in 2012. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of writing ever since and putting out at least one book a year, sometimes two. Uh, And yeah. I think that's the uh brief synopsis of my my writing life
2: yeah that that's pretty interesting that you said you kind of started with uh screenplays and like comic scripts i think you're the first guest we've had that kind of had like a different path to writing like a lot of them you know might have written like short stories or something but that's kind of cool um i kind of did the same thing myself When I was really young, like, me and another kid made, like, our own comics. And we had, like...
1: Same thing.
2: Yeah, and we we handed them out, and uh, they eventually called our parents because we were charging kids, like, three bucks an issue or something. (laughs) And they were like, he he can't sell stuff out on the, uh, you know,
0: schoolyard. (laughs) That's awesome. And interestingly, I was just reading the other day that uh, you just adapted the switch house as one of your coronavirus tasks
1: yes yeah I got a well I started that maybe like three months ago and I kind of abandoned it because I got busy with some other stuff but now that I have a lot of free time on my hand uh, I went back to it and I just finished it so I don't know if anything's gonna come with it I was just more of like I just felt like I needed to do it type of thing uh, than it was for anything. But um, it was definitely fun to go back and play around with writing screenplays again.
0: Um, I think, yeah, if nothing else, it's uh, interesting, even as a read, I would imagine, just to see how that adapts. Um, Especially when an author adapts their own work, you know what I mean? Then you're kind of getting a a feel for what they would envision if they put it on the screen.
1: Yeah, it was kind of hard because, I mean... When you would, when you would watch when you read something that's that's enjoyable that you like and when you watch something a part of you kind of wants it to be faithful to the source material uh, but sometimes that can't always happen in films sometimes there's things on the page that don't really translate well visually so uh, it was interesting to kind of uh, explore that story but in like a visual way instead of someone reading words on a page.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I can see how it would be. It's like, that's not the way you were seeing it when you were writing it, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um,
0: otherwise, it'd just be a comic book. Um, <laughs> and, but... Uh, also, I was going to say, Ken McKinley was right about you. He said you were a nice guy in spite of drinking IPA. <laughs> <laughs> he, would he would say that. He's
1: going to love IPAs eventually. It will happen. That's my mission for like the next years to get Ken McKinley to like IPAs.
2: A that's
3: directed at him and not at
1: <laughs> I
2: think deep down he does, because if I remember correctly, he said it's like, you know, he's tried it multiple times. So if he really hated it, why would he keep going back?
1: He literally sends me at least one picture a week on Facebook uh, through Messenger of him buying an IPA. And I'm like, If you don't like IPAs, why do you keep buying them? That's just...
0: <laughs> and then he goes online and complains about it yeah. this is tim meyer's fault i just want to know what he does with the other
1: 5 cans that he doesn't like <laughs> he's probably got a whole garage full of unopened <laughs> like
0: ipas
3: <laughs> put them out on he his, makes his clothes. <laughs> yeah
0: in my neighborhood, I could put it out on the sidewalk and be gone in five seconds.
3: Oh.
1: <laughs> I might just, when this whole coronavirus thing ends, just fly to wherever he lives and just raid his garage for IPAs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the great heist of 2020. <laughs> we'll
2: just have, like, an unannounced party at his house. <laughs>
3: Well, horror. so and I I am I'm actually new to your work because I'm also new to the horror scene like within the last you know year or so. So Dead Daughters was my first of yours that I read and I absolutely loved it. Right. Um, so I was I was kind of curious, you know, you said with screen, you said you started with screenwriting, and and that seems like such just a different you know skill set. So was this the first time that you had picked that up again since having started uh, doing long or. I don't know what you call it, longer fiction or novelization or prose, or I don't know what the comparison term is. But
1: yes, um, this is, I guess, technically the the first time I've really gotten serious about it. I've tried to write like screenplays here and there, but I've just been so focused on prose and uh, putting out novels that I kind of just let it all fall to the wayside. Um, I did mess around with like a, a television pilot script thingy. Uh, at one point, but again, nothing ever came of that. And uh, yeah, so this was kind of the first return to to screenwriting. And uh, like I said, it felt really good to to play in that playground once again.
3: How did you um how did you end up getting into that? Was that just something that that just appealed to you at the time when you started or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been a big movie buff. So, uh, you know, growing up, I always wanted to write and direct and star in my own films. Uh, and I tried my hand at it, but um, I wasn't really good at all of those things. Uh, so <laughs> it uh, it just never happened. Um, and it's hard making, making films. It's hard getting people, especially when you have no money and you're You know, you're 18 years old and you're still living at home. It's difficult to to do, Um, especially back then in like the early 2000s. We didn't really have the technology that we do now. Now you can shoot like a Michael Bay film on your iPhone and it looks fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. Back then we had like actual video cameras and the quality was not as good and uh, it was harder to edit. And you just needed you needed money really to do it. Um, so it just never worked out. And I still wanted to, always wanted to tell stories because that's that was the basis of my love for screenwriting was just telling stories. And so um, I've always been a big reader. I've been a big reader since you know, Goosebumps was my first love. I I devoured those books when I was a kid, and that kind of got me into to writing in general. So when uh i just i just started writing short stories and trying my hand at a few novels and then eventually i finished a novel um and that was kind of kind of it i never looked back
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's kind of interesting like um even though it's two different skill sets i know like a lot of writers and stuff that can do both when they talk about it they say like one of the Appealing things about writing prose, you know, especially if you have a love for film or like you have that skill set is that you're not really hindered by a budget, so to speak, because you yes. can pretty much write whatever you
1: want. Yeah, there's a uh, there's that. And, um, you know, screenwriting is weird because, I mean, you could write a really good screenplay and then have the, the movie be not good at all. Um, because there's so many, filmmaking is a collaborative effort. So there's, you know, directors and actors, and there's so many different factors going into it. Uh, whereas you're writing, like you are the writer, the director, the, the actors, like you're everything. So, uh, it's more on you. It's, it's just a reflection of you. So I, that's also what appeals to me more, I think, than screenwriting, um, now that as opposed to back then um just to have like all that control and to explore all those different things where as a screenplay you're just you're writing a screenplay and then somebody else is taking it and who knows probably butchering it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
2: exactly and um i i know laurel and shane will probably kill me but i also grew up on goosebumps too and i was just curious if you had any favorites maybe like
1: your top three. Oh, top three let's see um I've always been a big fan of Say Cheese and Die, um, partly because that that title name is amazing.
0: I uh, say, I'm a big fan of the fucking title. I've never read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I really like the earlier stuff. So like, uh, like the Monster Blood uh, one and um, the Night of the Living Dummy is also a favorite because I always found Slappy to be a little bit creepy. Yeah, I'd I'd say by far that's the uh
2: he's like the scariest you know villain I guess you would say of the whole of the whole series in my opinion. But yeah, yeah it, it's pretty cool. A-
1: he wrote a few good ghost uh, stories too like the go I think it's Ghost Beach I think that's the the name yeah of the title um that one I remember was uh was really scary too and I also like the goofy ones like there was that superhero one what was it Attack of the Mutant I think yeah yeah um which is like a, a real goofball one but it was fun so I don't know I just I that's another reason why I like that is because it uh it was scary at times, but also it was just kind of goofy and funny and it didn't take it. He didn't take those books too seriously.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to, I used to have like the entire original series and I'm kind of mad at myself for selling them. So I've been same. I've been trying to like pick one up at a time for my mother when she gets older.
3: (laughs) What about, so uh, this was new to Shane and I, but did, did you ever read Animorphs?
1: Ah, oh, uh, <laughs> no, I never got into the Animorphs. <laughs> you
2: gotta
0: read them, Tim. It's crazy. Yeah. is it? That's Just right. yeah.
3: Google the covers and then come back and talk to us. About <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, those
0: are those are some <laughs> motherfuckers. I remember them.
1: I I remember them in like the Scholastic book fairs, going
2: and Spoiler alert for any listeners that uh, (laughs) would plan on (laughs) checking those out, but, like, it's a lot darker than I remember, because when I got to thinking about it, like, there's, like, wars in there with, like, the aliens that they fight, and, like, people die. The one guy they tried to recruit, like, a new member, he was, like, a total psycho, so they basically trapped him in the body of a rat for the rest of his life. (laughs) Jesus it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty dark, but yeah, the covers, the covers are uh, quite interesting. And that's a kid's story? <laughs> yes. Well, young adult, they're like, they're a little bit like, I guess what you would read next after like a Goosebumps or something like young, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with all the terms for that. Like, cause I think Goosebumps is what, like middle grade. So yeah, maybe, like. Animorphs would be YA or something.
0: Mm. I don't know, just just weird is what they are.
3: <laughs> I I feel like if I'd known about them, I probably would have liked them. Because yeah, like I mean, it does sound like it's you know a step a step up from the Goosebumps. But I, I'm pretty sure those covers would have just I just don't, <laughs> yeah. that fucking Dolphin Man is never <laughs> I'm never I'm never gonna stop being bothered by that
2: Dolphin. <laughs> well. You, you know, it's kind of funny. The more I think about it, um, which I love this book, and I don't know if uh, you've read this one, Shane, that Tim did, uh, Sharkwater Beach. It kind of reminds me a little bit about that, like some of those, without getting too much into what the book's about if anyone hasn't read it, but like some of those transformation scenes when they're like, you know, transforming on the covers. It kind of made me think of that. Hmm.
0: I have not read it yet. I'm. Uh, oh, it's so good. I've oh. got. I, I've lit. I literally have every single Tim Meyer and title in existence on my <laughs> Kindle. Um, but I've only had the chance to read a couple so far. So. Yeah. Um. Going into it, cause uh,
2: it came out through uh Severed Press, right, Tim? Yes. Going into it, I kind of thought it was going to be like a more straightforward, you know, kind of like, you know, massive shark or, you know, and that's pretty much what it was going to be is like a killer Jaws sort of situation. But it goes in like a completely crazy direction that I thought was a lot of fun. And I was just curious, you know, what was kind of your inspiration for that book in particular? Like, how did you kind of come up with the idea to, you know, make it? kind of start out and make people think you know like hey this might be like a jaws type book but then take it in like a completely different direction
1: yeah so um i'm actually a huge peter benchley fan um i grew up reading his books you probably in my like early teens like when when i was like 13 14 um and yeah jaws i enjoyed um even though it's not my favorite of his books Um, one book that I really liked was, uh, I think it's called white shark. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. They did a really awful, uh, television adaptation called creature starring Craig T. Nelson and (laughs) Trell. Oh, it was fucking horrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, not great. But the uh, there's a the creature in that is like a kind of a hybrid of like a um, like a shark and a man, um, and I think it was it was from I think the creature was actually created from some Nazi experiment back in World War II, um, which was a cool idea. But I wanted my sharks to be different as well. And again, not trying to throw spoilers out there for those who uh, who haven't read Sharkwater Beach but um there is like an interesting twist in that that's kind of similar it's like an homage to that to that book
2: yeah that's pretty cool like i said i read that one too i think in the summer and it was like it was like the perfect thing cuz even kind of the more "Quote unquote" normal aspects I thought were really cool. Like there's a particular way that you do some of the points of view of one of the characters, mm. which I don't think I've really seen that done before.
1: Is that the uh, is that like the POV from the shark? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually haven't seen that too much either. Um, I think in some of Benchley's books, though, he does kind of use. In some of them, he does kind of use the uh, the POV from from whatever creature is is lurking in the abyss. So, um, but yeah, I haven't seen a, a a device that's been used very often. It's not a device that's used very often. At least no, I haven't. Seen.
0: Not at all. But yeah, he has used it in probably. Three or four of his books, whatever creature it is, kind yeah. of not so not so much their thought process as their what, what they're experiencing and seeing and uh, yeah. Um, I also I'm a huge huge fan of Benchley, but um, probably. Uh, I'm probably the hugest jaws fan on the planet.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you like do you like the movie or the book more? Cuz I it's one of the few uh, like movie adaptations that I think is way better than the book.
0: And it's like yeah, it's almost sacrilege to say that, but it's true. Yeah. Um the movie is just uh, literally literally a work of art. Yes. And I mean on the part of every single person involved in it.
1: Yeah. So. Yes, it's one of the best movies ever made, I think.
0: Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you. I think it's my definitely my favorite movie ever made. Yeah, actually, the I fir- love Jaws.
1: Yeah, it's so it's such a perfect movie. It's actually the first horror movie I ever saw too, and um, the uh, the scene on the boat when Quint gets it, uh, haunted my dreams for like months. Oh, yeah. It still yeah. haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so violent. Like, it's, it's just so brutal. And, like, you're not expecting it because, I mean, there's a few scenes early on that are kind of violent, but not to that level. And it's, like, it's just
0: jarring. Yeah, it's just in your face. And it was just they didn't pull any punches whatsoever in that scene. I can still feel it in my gut every time someone mentions it. not to mention go ahead laura
3: no go ahead
2: i was just gonna say not to mention that film you know i think has scared generations of people yeah i know when i was little like i used to i grew up a little bit outside philly so i would always go to the jersey shore and like if i was out in the ocean and like god forbid a piece of seaweed like hit my leg like I tore <laughs> ass out of the waves.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's my thing too. I'm I am terrified of water, but that means that I absolutely love, you know, terrifying water stories, so I've just added uh, Sharkwater Beach to my I just keep Goodreads open.
0: <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> you'll really like you it. <laughs> it's funny how we torture ourselves that way. Because I'm the same way. I'm horrified of water, and I love Jaws and every other friggin' sea monster book I've ever read. You know? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs>
3: well, I'd much rather read about it than than have it, but, you know, yeah.
0: touch me. Just yeah. So I, I won't even put my toe in the ocean. <laughs> it's just because you never know, like what's
1: you can't see it, so it's like you just never exactly, know
0: exactly. It's like a like you know we crawled out of that fucking thing for a reason, and we're trying <laughs> to go back. You know,
3: <laughs> like I don't even care if it's just like a harmless fish. Like fuck it, it touched me, and I can't see it, and I'm horrifying. I don't touch it's the fish. Why me? And you don't know. You don't know. I know. know what it it's could just be. ugh.
0: I was in the Columbia River one time when I was a kid and an eel slithered between my legs.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, no
0: thanks. It was nasty. Yeah. I I haven't ever been back in the river.
3: No. <laughs> I got chased by a water moccasin across uh I didn't know it was behind me. Thanks, Dad. Um <laughs> It's I, this was actually him attempting to help cure me of my terror of water. So I swam across the lake with my brother next to me and I guess dad in the canoe was like, well, if I tell her about the water moccasin, it's probably not going to help this situation. So like, yeah. I get out on the other side, you know, horrified because I've been in the middle of the lake. And I turn around and there it goes. I'm like, I mean, I guess it didn't want me. But Jesus Christ, yeah. that didn't help. <laughs> yeah.
0: You have a lot more dangerous monsters in your water than we do. Yeah. 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 Harmless eels and sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Laurel's got water moccasins.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, so um, my mom in the summertime took me to the beach every single day. And uh, as a kid, like, I liked the water. I liked going in the ocean. I liked, like, boogie boarding and, and just hanging out. Uh, but honestly, I haven't been to the beach probably in about, like, 20 years so um yeah I don't think I would ever go in the ocean again though and I didn't have like a traumatic experience or anything but just from reading and writing all these aquatic horror novels um yeah I just fucking don't ever want to go in there again
0: yeah <laughs> if you ever think about going back in just look up a pictures of angler fish and you'll <laughs> make a <the> fucking good
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mention that. I was going to
2: ask you if it was one of those things where, you know, since you grew up there and went there so much, if
1: you were kind of like, you know, eh, you know, it's kind of overrated. I fucking hate the beach now. Um, (laughs) Like, it was cool when I was younger, but now I I just realized that it's just dirt and water mixed together, and there's, like, nothing exciting about that at all. I don't don't understand why people love the beach.
0: Not to mention – oh, go ahead, Shane. It's kind of interesting how inexhaustible the subject is. I mean, like even in one of our series that we run on our website, I wrote an entire essay about horror based around the water and the beach. And I think I even mentioned Sharkwater Beach in that one. But uh, it's interesting how you you can come up with, um, so many different things to talk about when it comes to horror on the sea, you know, and not just fiction, but real life horrors, you know. And
1: yeah. Like... Yeah. My my favorite uh, movies to kind of watch are those like lost out at sea movies like um, The Reef and uh, Open Water.
3: Open like, Water was. Oh, yeah. Was yeah.
1: It is they, those are the most terrifying movies because it's very real and like most nerve-wracking I think. Like I, I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time during those
0: movies. Me too because I mean how more, how much more helpless do you get?
1: Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> like <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's the worst.
1: I don't even know if it's possible to like drown yourself in that situation, but I would try. <laughs>
3: I was just, thinking,
0: like, just get this shit over with.
3: There's that's nothing. my go-to during the apocalypse. You know, if it's anything that terrifying, I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'm out. I'm going to dip. Yeah. But you know, if you're in the middle of the ocean, like, you don't even have the opportunity. You're like, <laughs>
1: No, yeah. No, there's no opportunity. Because I don't think your, your body or your mind will allow you to drown. Unless you have, like, weights that you could tie to your feet, but probably not.
0: But if you had weights, you would be at the bottom already anyway, so, yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm being a (laughs) smartass. Oh, Shane, I have no class.
1: Neither do I, so it's all good. (laughs) Uh,
2: But, um, yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned about how, like, you never wanted to go back there because, like, hopefully jersey people don't kill me but the last time i was there it's like you gotta walk like five miles to the ocean
1: anyway yeah (laughs) who has time for that yeah depending on when you go (laughs) you go in busy season like you can't find a parking spot anywhere so it's just so packed and uh especially after like i mean it it was always bad with uh people coming down from north jersey and new york but after that uh jersey shore show aired on oh god it's just, it's been even worse, and uh, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. That's why another reason why I don't go to the beach because that fucking
0: show. <laughs> I, I always want to. I always wanted to visit the Jersey Shore, and then I saw that fucking show, and I don't want to go there anymore. Either. Don't don't do it. Just don't.
2: <laughs> or if you want to go. Uh like you could always
1: just go to cape may i don't think they really have that problem there (laughs) yeah it's yeah cape may is actually pretty nice and clean that's the other problem too is like the 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 beaches by like the seaside area aren't the cleanest beaches i would say uh ours are are immaculate see that's awesome i wish but no not over here
0: Well, we have our, our beaches over here are considered a state highway and they're maintained. So mm. it's kind of a bonus.
3: Not like I actually want to go on vacation and that's not going to be like a fucking thing for a while. So, mm. but that's true. Because I was just saying, we went to Tidy last year and took uh, my son, but he apparently is going down my train of like, fuck that on the water. Like, <laughs> be like, yeah, or screw this. And he like went up to it was like, Fuck no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Was not gonna convince him otherwise, but <laughs> Well, um, do you wanna talk about dead daughters? Because I want to talk about dead daughters. Surely. Yeah, I so yeah. Um I, I've kind of talked to Rich and Shane some about like my love-hate relationship with the thriller genre mm-hmm. because I love thrillers, but I despise uh the sort of like necessity to do twists that just for the sake of it yeah. you know so like i i just like and i don't i don't want to give anything away on this because i just think it was just meticulously done this just fantastic from start to finish and i just i don't know i was just really really impressed with it and i just sort of felt like uh yeah this is how a thriller is done so i kind of saw that when you were talking about your genres You know, you don't really attempt to assign one. You just kind of write it and see where it falls. So I was wondering if you could talk some more about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So one of the things, I mean, first off, I read across multiple genres. So I'm always reading thrillers or literary fiction or pretty much anything. Um, And so I kind of want my work to represent that. So, like, I don't really start off uh, – I, I start off with an idea and then kind of wherever it takes me, it takes me. I don't try to to stay in one genre. And also, I feel like I get bored when I try to stay in one genre. Like, if I were to write, like, a straight-up horror novel, I feel like that would kind of uh, bore me. So, I, I like to keep it interesting and uh, as original as possible. Um, so, like, blending genres together is just, is just fun for me. Um, and then, yeah, Dead Daughters kind of is kind of a uh, it, it was a project because it started off as one thing, it, actually a completely different idea that transformed into this idea. Uh, and then I actually did four drafts of it, like full rewrites from scratch from start to finish uh, which I've never really yeah. done before. I yeah, I typically do like two full drafts and then like a bunch of revisions in between. Mm-hmm. Usually by the second draft, everything's kind of in place and I can just kind of play uh, with certain aspects of it going forward. But this I, I had to rewrite four different times just because I wanted to make sure like every little plot hole was like tidied up um, and just like things kind of just came up out of it after rereading it that I just, I wasn't happy with. So um, from start to finish it, I started writing it in 2016 and uh, it's coming out in a couple days. So it took almost four years to get it to kind of where I wanted it. Yeah, that's
2: pretty, that's pretty, like I've never heard of anyone that has had to do that, but I think that it helped work. Like um, I think I was listening to a booked interview with Josh Mallerman and I know he's done that with a couple books where you like rewrite like the whole thing and like eventually it'll, you know, morph over time. So I think that's pretty interesting. And I think it worked because without spoiling it, like there is a lot of surprises in uh, mm. Dead Daughters <laughs> and, and I think that they all worked like very effectively, like, I thought going into it, um, you know, that it was going to be one thing, kind of, you know, a pretty straightforward thriller, like Mm. maybe, but like I did not expect some of these like other developments that came through. So I think that really worked like kind of how you wrote it, because like each time, you know, the kind of the story hit those points like I, I couldn't stop reading it and I, I'm pretty sure laurel was the
3: same way yes definitely oh. yeah
1: well oh, thank you um yeah i I so I actually before I even started writing the the four drafts I actually plotted it out and had um specific plot points for where I wanted like the twists to mm-hmm. kind of happen uh, so I kind of knew before then, uh what was gonna happen and where it was gonna happen but yeah it definitely took the four drafts for it to kind of all coalesce
2: yeah and i I guess one thing we should we should have done and that's our bed before we jumped into it is <laughs> what is the uh what is like the elevator pitch you know you would give potential readers about dead daughters
1: uh so like quick elevator pitch I guess would be something like Gone Girl meets uh, The Outsider, King's The Outsider. Um, maybe I guess that's a good. Yeah, good I'd pitch. say that. I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's basically about a guy who, in the mail, receives a picture of his daughter, and she's uh, all mutilated and kind of grotesque. But he, it can't be her because he just put her to bed like five minutes ago. So he. It kind of sparks this whole investigation of who sent the letter, and then some other weird happenings start taking place around his house. Um, and yeah, kind of the police get involved, and then there's a whole investigation, and it just kind of goes downhill for our, our main character from there. Yeah, absolutely,
2: it does. Like I said, some of the some of the things that happen through it, they. They definitely took me by surprise. Like, I read it pretty quick, cause, and that's the other thing, and maybe, maybe it was just the, you know, plotting, like you said, that you did beforehand. But I was just kind of wondering about your process of, like, maintaining that tension, because, like, the whole time that I read it, you know, I'd read, like you know, big chunk of it, but like no matter where I left off throughout the story, there wasn't really like any lulls. Like every time I stopped for the night, I was like, man, I can't wait to like (sighs) see what happens next when I pick this back up tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So pacing is pretty uh, important to me as a writer. Um, I, I always want the reader to have that experience that you just described where like no matter where you stop at the the book you don't want to you don't want to put it down because um, some of my favorite reading experiences as a reader is are those books the books that you you want to just clear the rest of your day and just finish it because it's so addicting um, you know a lot of people uh, shit on like Dan Brown novels but he's like really excellent at at pacing. Um, so I kind of learned a little bit of the, the pacing from, from his books, like the Da Vinci Code. Um, and also King, some of King's novels are really well paced. Like, uh, the first King novel I ever, I ever read was Salem's Lot. And I think the pacing in that book is unbelievably fantastic. Like there's not a point in that book you want to put it down. Um, so yeah, I kind of learned, learned the pacing from just like, Reading a lot of those types of books, and um, yeah, I hope I hope all my books have that that same kind of effect, because that's kind of what I shoot for.
0: Everything I've read by you pretty much has that. This one, particularly though, I mean, I'm only about probably 30% of the way into it, and it, I think it took about 10% to just kick me right in the gut, you know. So. Excellent. But yeah. Yeah, Poltergeist is putting out some excellent stuff, and this is shaping up to be no exception to that rule.
1: Yeah, they're they were great to work with too. I loved working with them.
0: How did you? Uh, just out of curiosity,
2: because I don't think they have like uh, open subs or anything like now. Um, like how, kind of how did you connect with uh Poltergeist for this one?
1: So uh, every year I head down to uh, Williamsburg, Virginia for scares that care uh where I usually split a table with uh, a couple of writer buddies. And um down there maybe three, four years ago, uh I met Matt Hayward and his wife Anna and um just like really got along with them, became really good friends with them. So uh I at some point over the years Anna decided to start Poltergeist Press and they don't you're right they don't have like an open subs but um i know they started doing it was right around the time they started doing things other than the russian translations and uh i think it was scares that care last year i was like hey um i know you don't do open subs but you want to take a look at this thing i've been working on and she took a look at it and she enjoyed it so it's kind of how that that whole thing came together.
3: That's, that's awesome. I hear about so much, just really good connections being made at that convention in particular. Yeah. It's
1: a, it's a blast that convention. I, if you guys ever get a chance to check it out, I don't know what the whole, uh, you know, pandemic thing is going to do to conventions in the future. Um, but if you, if things ever return to a normal state and they have scares that care again, that is the convention that you'd want to go to. From just from just being a fan of like the genre and a lot of these writers, it's fun to go to. But also if you're a writer, it's just great to make connections with people and and just hang out with writers all weekend you know, drink lots of IPAs and <laughs> Uh, you can
3: have all the IPAs. uh, I'll take the bourbon. That'll work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They have great breweries down there too. In Williamsburg. Uh, there's like three of them within like a mile of the convention. So
3: now that's, yeah, I had actually, that I was, that was going to be my first convention to go to. I had, I had planned to do that and got it all set up. But so, I mean, hopefully it still happens, but that is kind of, I suppose, low on our list of collective things to worry about but I, I mean that is that is one that I hear really great things about but it's a lot of fun
1: yeah it's great I, I 2016 2015 or 2016 was my first my first uh, time going and uh yeah I just I've made friends through that convention that like I'll probably have for life so it's a, oh, it's a, awesome yeah it's a great time
0: it seems to be common in this community that i mean we all kind of come together and some of us become you know good acquaintances and some of us become decent friends and some of us become lifelong friends depending on your dynamic you know but um it seems to be we it seems to be a lot more um giving community that way as far as accepting the varying personalities that we all have you know
1: Yeah, that's another thing I love about that convention, too. It's like it's very diverse and there's just people from all different backgrounds and uh, just everyone just hangs out, has a great time, talks shop, uh, talks life stuff. It's just it's it feels like a family like cookout when you when you go there. It's just it's so so much fun. I miss it. I want to go right now.
0: Yeah, me too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, and I was kind of considering on whether to fly or drive, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy so many books. I'm driving.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you might, you might need to
0: do Yeah. With, with a big van.
3: I'm going to put it in the back of my Kia Soul. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, you'd be surprised how much those little fuckers will hold if you're the only person in the car.
3: That's right. I call I call it the TARDIS. It's, I mean, it's way bigger on the inside than it looks.
0: <laughs>
1: I remember the... Uh, I was going to say, uh, I remember the first year I went down there um, to sell books. And I brought, like, a ridiculous amount of books that I was never going to sell anyway. But um, I probably bought more books than I sold. So, like, I came back with more more books than <laughs> And I remember driving, like, up I-95. And I had a uh, – what did I have? Like, a Hyundai, like, two-door something. Um, and – my uh my light kept going on for like my tire pressure and i'm like what the fuck is this and like i i kept pulling over and like i had to like reposition where the box my boxes of books to make that light
0: disappear <laughs> it was, uh, your, your books are too fucking heavy but yeah
1: exactly <laughs> It's like Jesus Christ, I'm going to get a flat on 995. Like, I I can't control myself when I'm around books. Explain <laughs> 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 that to the dude.
3: cop. <laughs> <laughs> just order everything. I kept trying to put myself on a budget and be like I'm going to buy, you know, x amount every paycheck and I do that and then and this came out. I'm like, okay, that too. <laughs> just <laughs> all the time.
1: Yeah, it happens. It happens. There's worse like, things we could spend money on though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Much, much worse things.
1: Like IPAs.
0: Yeah. IPAs. <laughs> uh, speaking right, of, you... yeah, it's worse things to spend money on. I um, you know what's really horrible to me is when they name weed strains things like Frosted Cherry Cookies. Like, what the fuck? I'm going to smoke this shit, get high, and want Frosted Cherry Cookies now. I do not see a problem with that. I don't have any Frosted cherry cookies. That's the problem. (laughs) Just smoke more weed and you'll be fine. There you go.
2: I did not see that question. (laughs)
3: I'm trying to follow the thought pattern from like IPAs. (laughs)
0: Well, because IPAs are really hoppy and hops are a member of the camp. Family. There you
3: go.
0: Okay. That and they've made like IPAs called like hamper
2: and stuff like that. So there is a connection, but I, I can explain that one.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, we have we have straight out marijuana beers here in Oregon now. So really? uh, yeah. It's uh it's crazy. It just about any consumable product you can think of, you can get it with weed in it. Huh. So... So, move out
1: to Oregon is definitely on my list.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Shane, keep an eye on my stepson, will you? Because I'm really a third time. <laughs> it,
2: it's funny. If if you seriously wanted to move out there, if you listen to the end of the episode we did with uh Caitlin Starling, it's like, I think we did, like, what, like, almost an hour talking about Oregon and, like, Portland
1: and, like, landmarks and stuff. And we... Yeah,
2: I yeah. Like lettuce.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i've uh actually Port- portland is actually on my list of places to, to visit for a variety of reasons one i do hear they have fantastic beers in portland Absolutely. um and i'm also a big portland trailblazers fan for some strange reason so i've always wanted to go see a game at the rose garden
0: i you know i'm a big enough fan of the trailblazers i hate those fuckers
2: <laughs> you know what you know what's kind of funny that kind of just reminds me of the dynamic like sometimes uh with you and hunter tim yeah i know you guys know each other because mm-hmm. <laughs> so you'll say you'll love something he says it sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's shane's role on the show oh i love <laughs> the portland trailblazers i hate those
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: nah, it's their management
0: I can't stand <laughs> no, I <know.
1: laughs> Well, I love them
0: i do, love them for you Oh, no, I do love them, I just get pissed at them <laughs> We were so close last year, kind of I know Not really, though, because we got swept but... Yeah, but <laughs> but we got there <laughs> You did get so close <laughs> Yep <laughs> That's always a bonus here, man When the last time you saw us win one was when Bill Walton was young yeah, you know, so which I don't actually remember. I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of it.
1: I wasn't even born yet, so I don't remember that.
0: <laughs> I was born, but I was not cognizant of sports or basketball or anything back then. <laughs> I was Me never a, I was never a sports sportsy person when I was growing up. I didn't mm-hmm. even start watching sports really till I was an adult.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a pretty big
0: sports nut. So Tim's sitting there going, "Did we come here to talk about fucking books or sports and weed?" You
1: can talk about whatever you want. (laughs) Your show. Yeah, it's pretty
2: much just a hangout, so that that kind of goes right in line with it. But uh, just out of curiosity, um, what other? If you follow the Trailblazers, do you follow other local teams for other sports, or are you
1: kind of Yeah, the Trailblazers are my only, like, weird team. Uh, for baseball, I'm a big Mets fan. Uh, hockey, I follow the Devils. And football, I'm a huge Giants fan.
0: Well, I'm sorry about that, man. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We
2: got we got a Giants fan, an Eagles fan, and a Cowboys fan all in the oh, same
1: Jeez. <laughs> Where's the hang-up button on this?
0: (laughs) It's the red one here, I'll show you.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. So who's the Eagles fan? That'd be me. All right. Well, I have to say, I I was rooting for you in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, just because, believe it or not, I actually hate the Patriots more than... Eagles uh, <laughs> I think me everyone me hates too. them
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah me too the Tennessee Titans became my favorite football team this year
1: oh yeah me too I would love it <laughs> that was yeah that
0: was a glorious game to
1: watch Oh, so great!
2: watching him throw that pick six and then I thought you know he might retire so I'm like
1: what a great way for him to go out <laughs> yeah that would have been great but he won't retire ever no he's a, he's a jerk
0: exactly <laughs> That's what right. this is. This is the Tom Brady's a fucking dick episode, everybody. Brought to you by Tim Meyer. <laughs> that should be the uh, title of this episode. It's going oh. to be now. <laughs> it, it, it'll be great for SEO. It's oh, absolutely. I didn't think about that. You're brilliant. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> Laurel's sitting there going. Laurel's probably sitting there reading a book.
3: I <laughs> am actually. I just a, a little while ago. <laughs> All
0: right, we should hand the reins
2: over to Laurel so No, she can. no,
3: no. Like I, 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 just, I just literally have nothing to contribute, except that just as a, as a general rule, Kentucky and Tennessee fans just know it's not a thing. So. <laughs> but I'm not even sure that applies to the Titans. I'd have to ask someone more conversant with sports ball.
0: <laughs> you said that so sophisticatedly <laughs> well, it just like, became a sports ball just became an official term thanks <laughs> to the what <world's> <laughs> I'm
3: i'm not here to kill the party though please continue i'm, I'm good <laughs>
0: I think we're all out of sports now. Yeah, <laughs> you
3: ran out of sports ball. Yeah. I didn't think that was a thing.
0: Well, uh, you know, if I was drinking, probably I could keep going. <laughs> 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 so Tim,
2: um, I'm not sure if you have or not, but uh, like, would you ever collaborate with uh, another author? And if so, like, what kind of what author would you like to
1: collaborate with? That is a great question. So um, I have collaborated on a few novels. Um, I wrote three books in a series with my uh, local writer friends, my friend Chad Scanlon and Pete Traper. Um, We wrote three books of the Sunfall series, which is like a post-apocalyptic series about uh, what would happen if the sun uh, or people started to spontaneously combust. If they walked outside and, and got into the sunlight. Um, so that was a fun series. There's three books. There's supposed to be five. It's been like two or three years since we've we've talked about writing the next two books. So it's definitely going to happen one day. I just don't know when. Uh, but I would like to do that because that's that's a fun series of books to write. And I wrote a book called Lords of the Deep with my buddy Patrick Lacey oh, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Um, which was fun. That was actually put out by Severed Press as well. Um, they put out Sharkwater Beach. So, again, it's like a, it's like a water uh, monster creature feature, um, but with pirate ghosts in it. Um, and I am working on a couple collaborations right now. One I can talk about, one that's too early to even mention, um, but the one I'm working on right now is with Chad Letsky. Okay. Uh, which I think you guys had him on your show recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he, I think he did mention that. I'm not sure though. He mentioned a few collaborations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He collaborates with a lot of different people, but, um, yeah, so we're working on this, this book, we're calling it Wormwood right now. Um, and it is definitely the darkest thing I've ever written. Um, it's a little different than what I usually write. Cause usually I write like supernatural kind of creature features, um, or stuff like dead daughters, more like thriller. This is just like, like a dark, dark book. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know what people are going to think of it when it comes out, but, uh, it's, it's different so right now. Oh, sorry. I oh, no, Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say right now, Tim Meyer fans everywhere are going, how the fuck could it be a lot, lot darker than the stuff you've already written, man? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like people
1: say the switch house is like a pretty dark novel and it is, it is dark, but this is different. It's, it's just different. I, I think cause it, it's a coming of age, novel and it just it heads into some dark territories that uh, that I, I never thought I would explore as a, as a writer but here we are um, so that's at about 50,000 words right now I think we have like another 10,000 words to add to it and then we'll be done with the first draft and then uh, we'll start working on revising that and hopefully try to find a publisher for it um, maybe in the back half of this year or maybe early next year Uh, and then, yeah, I have the other collaboration that's too early to talk about. And then who would I like to collaborate with? Um, I mean, some of my, my favorite writers out there now, um, in the horror genre, maybe like, uh, Hunter Shea, as Rich mentioned, I have a a pretty close relationship with him and I dig his stuff. And we do a lot of the similar kinds of books. So I think that would be a, a good natural pairing. Um, I don't know if it would ever happen because that guy's super busy. And he, uh, I thought I was pretty prolific and put out a lot of stuff, but he writes like ten novels a day. And
0: uh, <laughs> well, you should call you should call him now though, man. He's just wandering around in his attic in his bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: imagine like he literally probably writes like a novel a day now that he's in quarantine. It seems like it, huh? It's crazy. <laughs> But um, I actually admire him for that. So um, he does. And he puts out his work is consistent, too. It's not like he's pumping out like like shitty stories. They're all unbelievably awesome. So he's definitely definitely killing it. Uh, So maybe him um, and then two other writers that I that I whose work I I love and I love their writing and and look up to them a little bit would be uh, Ronald Malfi. And uh, Jonathan Jans. Like, I think those two guys are like the cream of the crop right now in like the indie horror. Yeah,
0: Jonathan. see, those Definitely. those three guys are probably the first three guys, three authors I read in the indie horror field when yeah. I started reading indie stuff. So.
1: Yeah, they're uh, they're great. They're all uh, they're great people too, to to hang out with and, and chat. Um, again, that scares the care. I got to hang out with them both. Uh, a lot and just talking to them and picking their brains about stuff. It's, it's, they're fantastic.
3: Yeah. Jonathan Jans is, is just so nice. Like, and he's, yeah. he's very into paying it forward, which is excellent.
1: Yeah. He's super nice. He's almost he, too nice.
0: <laughs> uh, he is. He's super nice. It's like, it's like, well, no, I don't swear, but you can swear all you want. I don't. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't curse at all. No. nope, Uh, but, he has given me permission to swear like a trucker if he comes on our podcast, so <laughs> which is good because I will. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I you apparently can't stop myself, even if I have instructions to the contrary. So.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Laurel, the word motherfucker is a natural uh, contraction for
2: Laura.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I was laughing when she went on
2: Monster, and she dropped the motherfucker bomb on <laughs>
3: Just, especially if you consider my workplace, like, there's just, I'm not I'm not groomed for regular society. It's just not a thing. That's
1: awesome.
2: Uh, yeah. But yeah, both of those guys are great. And it's funny. I hadn't really it kind of jarred something loose, maybe because the titles, they're not super similar. But with Ronald Melfi, um, before, you know, I teamed up with Shane to start Ink Heist, I had a blog called The Horror Bookshelf. And I'll never forget, I was doing a tour for Ronald Melfi for his book, Little Girls. Mm. And he sent me a guest post. And like when I first opened it, like my heart leapt into my throat. <laughs> because he's like, what's in a name? Or why the FBI is probably monitoring my emails and getting ready to serve <laughs> subpoenas on the staff of the hard bookshelf. I was like, ugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I almost died. And then I read it, and I'm like, oh, okay. And he kind of talks about, you know, how he came up with the title and stuff. But
1: when I saw the title of the article, I almost died. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a funny guy too. Uh, you wouldn't know it by like the stuff that he writes, because he writes some pretty dark shit as well. Uh, but Alfie's a trip.
0: I had a good time with him one night. He was on t- on either Twitter or Facebook, and you could tell he had been drinking considerably. Yeah. <laughs> Which and, is, like,
1: all the time for Malfi so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he's
3: a, he's fun that way.
1: Oh, he's great. He's a great guy.
0: I love him.
3: Did he just get hooked? Is he one of the guys who just got hooked up with Silver Shamrock? Or is that? Uh,
1: I don't think. He has anything coming out with Silver Shamrock? I don't think so. I didn't see anything.
3: Okay, yeah, I haven't.
0: That would be cool though. That would I'm be. I'm just.
3: Cool. I'm glad I said it right and didn't call him Shamrock Silver again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> shamrock Silver, half step works.
3: <laughs> well, so um, you've got a couple collaborations you're working on. Do you have any solo projects in the works, or?
1: Um, I'm kind of between a few things. I'm trying to, uh, catch up on some anthology invites. So I've been writing some short stories, but, uh, I finished, I had a novel going for my Patreon page, which was kind of like a, uh, a choose your own adventure type book, but with a group. So depending mm-hmm. on what, what level you were at um you could vote on the outcome or vote on the character's decision and so that that was like kind of an experimental novel and now that that's finished i don't know what my patreon page is going to look like but um so i finished that that's done and uh yeah i'm kind of just between between projects finishing up some things that's one of the reasons why i went back and finished the, the switch house screenplays because i was just kind of i didn't really have anything going on i'm not sure if i'm ready to start a new novel yet so until some of these other things are kind of kind of done but i have ideas so i have ideas
3: yeah and yes. it's it's just odd right now like as far as like motivation goes i don't know I'd i've always thought if i was quarantined i'd get a lot of work done and yeah it's like some days yes and some days nope
1: yeah, it was weird in the beginning. So I've been I quarantined kind of, I guess, like in early March. Um, I was lucky enough, like my day job would allow me, even though they're an essential business, they allowed us to, to have some time off as much time as we needed. And uh, they actually gave us some extra bonus vacation time as well. Oh, that's excellent. Nice. Yeah, they did. They're really cool. So um I because I have really bad heart problems, I don't think I can catch this virus and survive it. So like I went into isolation immediately. Um and I haven't left my house in probably four weeks. And uh in the beginning, I same thing, like you said, I, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. All this time off from work, I'll be able to write all day and nothing's going on. But yeah, in the beginning it was hard. Like I struggled to find the motivation. Um 'Cause I, I think you kinda have to be in the right headspace to to create and really get into your your world that you're creating and building. Uh, and it was hard in the beginning, but now that a few weeks have passed and I've kind of leveled off and I'm I'm starting to, to really crank at at the pace I was prior to this
0: whole whole pandemic. I I'm committed glad you're... myself to a project that keeps me uh <laughs> Me busy day <laughs> and night,
3: pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sam, have you been following the uh, Carpenter's Farm, the Josh Mailerman?
1: You know, I, I read, I think, like the first chapter that he posted, and uh, I haven't gotten back to it. I kind of want to, I've heard it's amazing and really fun. So I kind of want to, like, binge read it, like, when it, he gets, like, pretty far into it. But he's pumping out chapters, like, every every day. So, I mean, I could probably just start reading now and probably be all right.
0: right yeah given he said yeah. i think when we first started talking about it when he started talking about it and then i started exchanging messages with him he said he figured somewhere around 30 chapters i think so we're okay. at he's at uh 15 now
1: yeah, he's halfway there yeah and i i've I heard it's great so i want to check it out i'm a big yeah. fan of his work
0: I I actually have several more chapters beyond that, too. So I suspect um, I would bet it's up to 20 next week, at least. Nice. Yeah.
1: I love Mallerman's work.
3: But it's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some (laughs) of the pace might be. uh, Yeah, Shane has been writing um, accompanying poetry with every chapter Uh, so he's he's working at at the pace of mailerman which is (laughs) it's pretty intense but it's yeah shane won't say this but i will it's it's fucking fantastic it's really (laughs) just excellent poetry so that's
1: awesome um i don't read a lot of poetry but i will definitely check that out
0: i like the speed of mailerman (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like
3: that's an official measurement.
0: Light light speed is sit, standing still compared to Mailerman's speed. I'll <laughs> we'll see. At least now, when we have him back on in a couple
2: months, that can be the uh, title of his episode.
3: But write it down because we'll forget.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I won't forget. <laughs> I already forgot. What are we talking about? <laughs>
1: Tom Brady and weed or something. <laughs> All right, my favorite
2: subjects. <laughs> yeah. Now that would be some uh, good SEO right there. Tom yeah. Brady and weed. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Definitely clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. How the hell does this guy keep playing well into it? Like he's like what 43
0: now or something. I thought he was yeah. like 50 or something.
1: He looks like he's like 22.
0: Like he hasn't yeah. aged very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. He doesn't uh, look like
1: Brett Favre looked like at the end of his career, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's fair cuz I think he's a fucking advanced alien, you know. And <laughs> it's why he's why he's had such great success because he's physically superior to everyone on the planet. He's actually
1: a robot. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got the personality of a fucking robot. Right? <laughs>
1: oh, man. Some, okay. some Tom, Tom Brady fan out there listening is going to be like, fuck Tim Meyer. Fuck his books.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's horrible about that is I'm thinking about several dudes that we yeah. know who follow <laughs> this podcast and also are uh, Patriots fans. Laurel Rice think, for one of them.
3: They... What now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Maybe. You know what? I might be joking. I don't I'm not sure. I get what's going on, but it was sports ball. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come back More sports ball time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, uh, Tim, just out of curiosity, like the, uh, the horror stuff you read, like, I know you read a lot of, um, you know, more contemporary stuff, but I was wondering if you two were a victim of the paperbacks from curse.
1: Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, yes. So when that book came out, I definitely went on a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a spree and bought some of them. I already had like a, a, a good amount, maybe like like 30 or 40 paperbacks that from the eighties that I really liked and enjoyed the, the covers of because let's face it, you buy those books pretty much for the covers. Um, I was, I did. And, uh, I I I probably do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the artwork is like amazing and they don't like books don't look like that anymore. You can't get books like that anymore. So it's, they're like these relics that, that we have to, to buy and hold on to. And, um, so uh, that's another reason why I collect them just because they're just so cool looking but yeah I definitely did I, I, uh, I went a little nuts and I have like four full bookshelves stuffed, double double stuffed actually um, of paperbacks from hell and I rotate them, I pull some of them to the front and push some of them back when I'm bored <laughs>
0: uh, I guess I, I guess the apocalypse has has been hard on us all, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to call this episode now something with double stuffed books. Double
2: stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I have them spread out like all over the house and stuff, like because I was, you know, I'm a bit younger. And like I said, I kind of grew up on like boost bumps and stuff. So I missed like a lot of that stuff, you know, other than maybe like Stephen King or something. so when I read that book, it uh it definitely hurt my wallet some because <laughs> I, I was flipping through there and I'm like, oh, I need this one and this one and this one. And it yeah. just it
0: never stops.
1: <laughs> and then um, Balancourt put out like the reissues of them. So I had to buy those as well.
0: Yeah, I was jealous you were reading that Lisa Tuttle one the other day.
1: Yes, I'm still reading it. I, uh, I got a few more stories left in it. It's really good if you ever get a chance to check it out. If short stories are your thing, it's a solid collection.
0: Yeah, she's a hell of a storyteller. Um, yeah, I've never
1: read any of her stuff before, so this is kind of like a... Uh, an eye-opening experience for me
0: yeah i'm i'm ancient so i was there when <laughs> it happened the first time. Yeah. <laughs> i actually bought i i actually bought a lot of the books in that in paperbacks from hell when they were new so but sadly we did not know that someday i'd be collecting them and so they're all gone also i know, just
2: think shane you were probably sitting on a gold
0: mine
1: to me, anyway. <laughs> some of them are, are expensive. Oh yeah. On damn specific ones, like a hundred bucks a book, like that's insane for for a paperback. But yeah, I guess people are buying them.
0: Yeah, we've got some friends online who who every now and then just have a sale after they've accumulated enough, and they make pretty ridiculous money on it.
2: Yeah.
3: I don't He's have nice. the patience. He just mails us his extras.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing. Like sometimes I forget which ones I have, oh, and then like yeah. every once in a while I'll go through, and if I have extras, I send them to either Shane or Laurel. Nice. Because I'll be I'll be like, wait, how the hell did I end up with like three copies of this book? <laughs> because, like, there's
1: there's been a few times where uh, I bought the same book, but they had different covers from different publishers, which I, I think is cool.
3: Yeah. You have to hang on to both of those, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. I'm not going to give them off.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like Rich, because tiny buddy's so into covers, he just really digs those. He's like, oh, now that is just exciting. So yeah, it's another one of those ones. He wrestles my books away from me.
0: <laughs> you have to put it in a book cover so he can't see the covers. <laughs> <laughs> But then you just want to play with that.
3: Yeah. Well, it's whatever. Yeah. And he's stronger than me. I can't get it away from him anyways. I'm just going to give up. But.
0: <laughs> All right. Let me know when you're done with it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Basically. Uh. Well,
3: are, uh, Tim, are you able to, you may not be able to, I guess. I'm not sure exactly how this worked, but you said you had some uh, anthology invitations you were working on short stories for. Can you tell us anything about that or?
1: Um, I, I can't, unfortunately, cause I haven't like signed any contracts yet. They're gotcha, okay. just like invites to submit. Okay. So, but yeah, so unfortunately I can't.
3: So is that, is that something that you have an easy time with bopping back and forth between those formats?
1: Um, Yeah, kind of. So I kind of have like a system. So what I'll usually do is I'll write a novel. And then I like, as soon as I'm done with that first draft, I like to let it sit for like three or four months just to like, so because when I go back to it, I want it to feel kind of fresh almost. Yeah. Um, it, it just helps a lot with the revision process and the second draft. So I like to separate myself from it as much as I can. So what I'll usually do in those three or four months is uh, I'll usually work on like either a novella or short stories if I have invites, which I don't usually get a lot of. Uh, it just so happens now. Just a couple came through. But um, I'll usually just work on short stories uh for anthologies that I would like to submit to that have open calls uh, or I'll write a novella in in that intermediate space. So um, yeah. And then once that's done, I will go back to the novel and knock out the second draft and kind of just bounce back and forth between them until they get published.
3: That's a, yeah, that's a good way to do things. And I, I, yeah, I, I think that that is good to, to spend some time away from it because if you're still too immersed in it when you turn around to do the next draft, like I don't think you can see it very clearly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like all your mistakes, not just from like a like a typo grammatical aspect, but just in the story itself, like plot holes, you just kind of don't see because you're just too close to the work.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I imagine you know. I mean, you said you went through four drafts with Dead Daughters. That makes sense because there's there's so many threads there. Yes. You know that that like. Obviously, I'm sure there was a lot, you know, to hold on to, but I just remember as I was reading it, every time like I would notice, I'm like, man, okay, yeah, he has really gone through this with a fine tooth film.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting process, that's for sure. Um, and I spent a lot of time on it, so hopefully it all came together. It sounds like, I mean, early uh, feedback has been pretty great so far. So.
3: Yeah, I would imagine, because I mean, that's the. You know, I, I can see the the Gone Girl comparison, um, but I will also say that if, like me, you were not a huge fan of Gone Girl because of the characters, mm. uh, this really fills that uh, spot. I feel like because I I just thought the characters were really richly drawn and um, uh, relatable. You know, so. Yeah.
1: Yes, um, I tried to make them as relatable as possible. Um, There's just uh, a lot of the characters in there are just everyday people. So I think uh, I think that's one thing that attracts me to stories like that is that uh, that they feel like everyday people, but they're kind of put in these extraordinary circumstances um and then you know Stephen King was the is the best with that stuff he takes kind of ordinary everyday people and puts them in these crazy scenarios and kind of watches them fight their way out so
0: that's yes sorry no go ahead i was just gonna say it's kind of interesting is when i first started reading it first few chapters i was like i was kind of minded of um Brian Keane because he has a tendency to just use your every man in a in a horrible situation, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Keane Keane's another pretty big influence on me. Um, actually when I read The Rising back in was it 2004, 2005, somewhere around there, that actually like that book actually sparked my interest to actually try to write something. So but yeah, huge influence on my work
2: yeah i actually i actually just read that this uh year um and i loved it oh,
1: that's I, fantastic!
2: I, I, and i'm kind of glad that i came to it late in the way because after i read it um after shane he recommended it to me after i read it i went out and bought like all the rest of the ones like kind of in the rising
0: world like immediately after i was done
1: Yeah, they're all good, too. I love
0: them. I think he still has the fall to come. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, last one. So, um, do you have anything anything else you want to talk about before we let you get on with your life and being locked up in your house, Tim. Uh, I mean,
1: besides Tom Brady and weed, no,
0: I don't think I can think of anything else. <laughs> well, um... in that case, did, did you hear who Brady signed with? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> that that kind of surprised me. It was a little surprising, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I won't do that, Laurel. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm checking out again. Yeah, good night, I'm you guys. I'm gonna go read a book.
3: <laughs> I have my, I have my bourbon. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go read your shark book, actually. It's nice. That's, do, so. excellent.
0: Not the first time I got drunk and read a book while a bunch of idiots were watching football.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I make no such classifications about you. <laughs> I, I realize I am in the vast minority. <laughs> And I will say that uh, sports ball fans tip really well when you're waiting tables, so.
0: The drunker they get, the more they tip. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being here, Tim. Um,
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I had a a blast. We've been looking forward to it. McKinley was right in spite of that IPA thing. (laughs) (laughs) And, And, um we hope to have you back on very 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 soon so yeah, publish definitely. something real quick so we can bring you back on
1: alright I'll have a new novel out tomorrow
0: alright <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot All right, thanks thank you. Tim uh, have
3: a good night, have a
0: good night too. Uh, everybody uh, be safe be kind stay the fuck at home you know the drill now <laughs> good night <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging up now guys <laughs> alright